Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Being a Fan of Disney podcast. I'm your host, Cody Haver. On this episode, Greg Heilman of Heilman and Haver stops by to talk to us again, this time about Disney musicals. The musicals we see on the stage, in the animated classics, on the silver screen, on the television, what we would see in theme parks and on cruise ships, and the availability of musicals on Disney Plus and how that impacts the musical theater fan and the general consumer. I had a lot of fun talking about this topic with Greg, and I hope you enjoy the interview. Please come along with us on our adventure. Welcome, class, to another discussion we're going to have, um, and we welcome back Greg Heilman to class. And he spoke to us previously um, about what he does in his fandom, what he does with the company and, and some other topics. But this time he's back to talk to us about musicals and, and Disney musicals, both um, on stage, on, on Broadway, off Broadway, and um, the, the products that we see on Disney Plus, as far as uh, some of the more recent ones, Hamilton, um, the animated classics, the Disney Channel uh, movies. And so I, I wanted him to, to come back and talk about this topic um, because I'm really, really excited about it. And I know um, a lot of people have, have gotten into um, watching more of the musicals when or after Disney Plus has launched. And another thing that Greg does that I wanted him to be here specifically for this conversation is he's co-host of a podcast called Heilman and Haver, where him and his co-host talk to people who work in stage and screen production um, about what they do and kind of how to hone a person's craft um, if they're wanting to work in those spaces. And so that's enough introduction from me. Um, I'll turn it over. Greg, welcome to class. If you could recap briefly the your kind of introduction to Disney, what you do with Disney, um, but then walk us through what Heilman and Haver does to, to start the conversation. Sure. Well, first of all, Cody, thanks for having me and thanks uh, to your class for uh for giving us the time here. Um, always happy to, uh, to chat with folks about Disney and, um, you know, stage and screen and things like that. So, so at Disney, so I've been with Disney, it'll be five years uh, next week, I think, or later this week even. Um, and I am with uh, Global Information Security. I'm a program manager there. So we manage the uh, data, make sure your personal data is secure and nobody can, you know, hack into the company, that kind of stuff. So that's what our group does um, from, a uh, functional perspective. Always been a Disney fan since uh, as far back as I can remember. First trip to Disney World in 76 and I've been there, you know, a number of times. Recently moved out to the West Coast of so in more Disneyland centric, um, you could say, but, you know, still get back to Florida. Just, you know, huge fan um, as we've, we've kind of touched on before. Um, one of my other interests has always been kind of entertainment from stage and screen that's probably why you know fed into the whole disney thing as well uh when we moved out here to seattle i had the opportunity through my son to get into some local uh you know regional theater and 
really, you know, always been a fan, but never had acted or anything like that. And, and I've been doing that for probably the last, you know, four, four to five years as well. And uh, I, so I've been in, you know, a few Shakespeare things. I've been in uh, Mary Poppins as, uh, as George Banks, the father, and I've really enjoyed that. One of the shows I was in was uh, an Agatha Christie show, Appointment with Death, with uh, a fellow actor, Matt Haver, who turns out lives basically across the street from me, didn't realize that. But as quarantine went on, we weren't acting. We could kind of sense that people were just looking for something to fill the gap. So Matt and I decided, why don't we just start a podcast? We'll, we'll bring on, I'll start by bringing on some directors and actors and uh, people that are involved in the regional theater that we've worked with, talk to them about, you know, directing stage um, for plays, musicals, uh, adapting stories for stage and things like that. And over the last four months, I guess, uh, we started in October one episode, we're, we're scheduling episode 20 for a few weeks from now. Uh, we've gotten, you know, um, a, a great, you know, diversity of guests from both uh, Broadway and from from Hollywood, as, as well as the the local people. We had um, somebody who used to be my family doctor back in Pennsylvania, who is now a doctor for the Actors Fund on Broadway. Uh, we've had a, a Turner Classic Movies author. We've had um, Danny Bilson, most recently screenwriter for The Rocketeer. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 been a way to um, really kind of scratch the itch of, of not being able to do anything during mm -hmm. during quarantine. And <clears throat> one thing I really like about listening to those episodes is when when you two talk to people, you talk from the perspective of of a fan, but you're also talking from the perspective of someone who wants to learn more and wants to hone their craft. And, and I think a lot of, I think really, really good podcasts do that where they just want to, they, they want to learn more and they want to have interesting conversations. And, and every person that you talk to becomes this, this new interesting conversation to, uh, to reflect on. And so I, I've really, really enjoyed that aspect of it. The, um, as far as acting during quarantine, um, there have been some things that I know theaters ha have tried to do, um, whether it's like Zoom recordings and they record it and then they show it. Um, some others ha have even done like more radio style dramas and things like that. Um, have you seen things that, or I, I guess, what have you seen that's worked for theaters and, and actors to do during quarantine? And, and is there something that you, seems to have worked the best or that people like? I think from, so from, from the actor's perspective, uh, one thing Matt and I did actually before we started the podcast was organize some of our fellow actors and, and just did some reads of some stories we did Glenn Gary Glenn Ross and we did War of the Worlds um, just yeah, and just over zoom and you know it, it was kind of it was fun to do that obviously nothing beats doing things in person but um, but then we started you know some of our guests were um, actually started theater companies that were dedicated to virtual theater shows and I think what we've seen is 
that there's a there's a an appetite for you know costuming and doing all this stuff even over Zoom, um, and and those seem to work. Uh, I, I think it's just people want to um, see a well-run show. I mm-hmm. think that's really what it is. Is if you put some organization behind it, and you don't have to have you know fancy costumes. If you but if you make an effort to to kind of costume up and get into character and play it like you're on stage but over over zoom then i think it's something that works uh we saw the uh the actors fund did uh ratatouille the musical Mm -hmm. in in january as as a benefit and that was really um kind of an informal thing you know it was kind of pre-recorded and then put put all together and that worked uh so i think you know if if you put some care into something and and that shows, I think that's what people a lot of times like about theater anyway, is because it's a, it's a group of folks that really care about what they're doing and, and, and present a good show. So I think that works. I think some of it we'll probably even see stick around after, after we're done with COVID. Um, well, and that's, that's kind of what I was going to ask next is what are some of the things that will stick around um, after it's safe to go to theaters. And, and there's also a caveat to that, that I've had several conversations with people about when it's safe to do things, whether that's go to sporting events, go to movie theaters, go to theme parks, go to um, live plays. And, but we also have to take into account that when people feel safe going back and that that's, that's different for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I mean, this is, people have said it much better than I have, but this is a traumatic experience that, that people are still in. And so like kind of what is, we don't know the impact on people. And that means we don't know the impact on like when they will return, if they will return to, to what they formerly were doing pre-pandemic. And so what do you think some of the things will be that will stick around um, when it's, I guess, quote unquote, safe or safer to go back to theaters? Yeah, I think you're going to still see um, some people doing um, vir- virtual auditions uh, because I think you can do um, uh, at least a part of the audition process over Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain things you're not going to pick up, you know, from somebody over uh over a camera that's not in person, but I think you're still going to see some of that. I think you'll still see people, people are now playing around with the technology enough that they're becoming amateur, almost filmmakers. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to see some more of that. And I think, you know, TikTok and things like that help that as well. People are, everybody's making videos on their phone. And, and I think you're going to still see some virtual shows. I think that one, one of the benefits, and, and we had, we talked to a couple of our guests about this, a benefit of a virtual show over a live show is if you don't have the time commitment to be somewhere mm-hmm. for auditions and things like that, say you don't have a lot of business travel, you're traveling, but you still have the opportunity to participate in a show if it's over Zoom versus because you can't be there. You can't dedicate the time or can commit mm-hmm. to something in person. So I think there's still going to be a certain amount of these virtual shows and virtual kind of table reads and things like that. Um, I'm going to show, I think theaters are not going to open until they feel like it's, it's completely safe. I don't think anybody wants to be 
the um, instigator of a super spreader yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I think I, I trust that um, Broadway's not going to open until they feel it's safe. Um, and, you know, regional theaters the same. And, and of course, you know, regional theaters are, are, are I mean, Broadway's struggling. Everybody's struggling, yeah. you know, economically. But um, if we can get through this and, and, uh, and we're actually, Matt and I have a meeting with one of our local theaters on Wednesday to discuss some ways to raise funds with virtual shows and things okay. like that. Even if it's doing a show with an empty audience and, and streaming it, Mm -hmm. You know, no, no audience members, but we're doing it on stage and making sure all the protocols are in place, but streaming it because um, you can get you can get plays with uh, licenses for um, virtual or, or streaming streaming licenses versus in person um, show. So there's so there's now some interesting licensing that yeah. you can get some more flexible license you can get with some of these shows. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And it's really great that you two are doing that to to try to help out not not only um, be able to 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 act again and be able to to participate but um, just the the ability to help um, the theaters stay open and and, and theater owners um, in these times the from a, a fan perspective from a consumer perspective um, do you think, the virtual shows have added to the number of people who who could be introduced, excuse me, to to live theater, um, or do you do you think that's helped, or do you think that you know it's it's just kind of what needs to be done right now? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, off the my gut tells me it's more of what has to be done right now that the audience for the virtual shows is probably a subset of the audience that's going to go to the live shows because you've got to be online to be aware of them and and things like that so i think that it's more of um serving the audience that's missing the live shows rather than introducing musical theater too and, and i'm not saying it's not happening because you know share and if you like ratatouille and somebody shares ratatouille or whatever it is but yeah, I think it's it's more of um, catered to the people that are missing the live theater experience. And so, by that same token, like you don't you don't think that virtual shows will necessarily take the place of live theater performances, unless there are situations where, like, a live theater has to doesn't it's not financially viable for them to stay open because of everything that's happened. I think now I think live theaters eventually should get back to, you know, all things economically being equal should get back to where they were before. And I think virtual shows would be something that people would do in addition okay. um, to that, um, you know, as, as a way to, you know, they don't, some, a group of people don't have a, a, a current sh a show that's running currently maybe they did get together and do a virtual show or, or something like that, or it's yeah. an additional offering by a theater, but I don't think it's going to take the place of live theater. Yeah. And, and I really do. You mentioned something I like, you mentioned about getting um, licenses to do streaming. Um, I like the idea of, you know, we live outside of Memphis, Tennessee, and there there's great theater here and there's great theater houses here. And then, then there is, 
like in downtown, there's the, it's called the Orpheum here, that that's where like the Broadway across America tours come. Um, but there's all these other great regional theater, um, theaters and houses as well. And I like the idea of, even if there is a live show with an audience, that it's then also the ability to be streamed so that people can watch. For instance, you know, living in Tennessee, I could watch um, if something, if, if you all do something um, in the Pacific Northwest. And I, I, I really like that idea that, um, and again, that is some coming from someone who grew up watching, going to theaters, watching musical theater, um, never participated in it myself, but I'm a big fan and I very much appreciate that. Um, again, I'm not sure, like you said, if it would introduce people to it, uh, but it's it's a cool option to, to have there. Um, sure, yeah. So to, to, to shift focus, um, what we're gonna talk about um, for the, the rest of the time is about musicals and the, the, the Disney musicals that um, people have come to love. They started with the animated classics um, because that's what Disney started with was the animated movies and which turned into the classics. Um, but now we have, we have a whole range of there, there's Disney Broadway, there's the shows in the theme parks, the shows on the cruise lines, which are such high quality that, you know, people who've been on cruise lines say you feel like you're watching a, a Broadway show. We have the Disney Channel movies that have been made. We still have the animated classics that have been made. And more recently, um, because of the launch of Disney Plus, we have the ability to watch some of those stage productions that have been pro shot as stage productions. Um, and we have the option to watch that. And then in some cases, also the, the theatrical movies that have been made from musicals. So I guess let's start at, at the beginning with the, the animated musicals and animated classics. And why do you think people are so drawn to musicals and why, what makes musicals work so well, um, starting with animation? Well, I think part of it goes back to, and, and we had uh, a professor of psychology a couple of weeks ago on our, on our podcast, Annabelle Cohen from uh, Prince Edward Island, to talk about what it is about music in movies that, that really speaks to us at kind of um, um, that base level. And I think that's that's part of it when you have something that's visual, but it's accompanied with music done in a, in a, in a good way. It's it's something that just sticks with you and, and, and just, uh, you know, even they, they they did studies on infants and, and infants with visuals versus visuals with music. And there was a different response. But I think it's 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 a couple things. It's uh, the, the that music piece of it. It's the singing. We all kind of sing, whether we're good or not, um, and we can in, relate to it. It's a way to, and um, what's the, the line from Teen Beach movie? Uh, 
about it's uh, an inefficient way to move the story along. I think they were joking about it, but yeah. but it is yeah. a song. A song can move a story along mm-hmm. um, in a much quicker way than drawing out the particular scene. So it's a way to kind of shorten a movie, but still get a, a, a full story mm-hmm. in there. Some of those original anima- animated classics were, you know, an hour long, hour, 15 mm-hmm. minutes, really super short compared to uh, movies today, especially. But so I think there's that. Um, there's also, and I've been thinking about this, what's the attraction just over overall through the years with um, movie musicals and things. It's It also makes broadway-ish shows accessible it's it's not easy or not cheap to get a broadway ticket even if even with a touring company um it's it's not cheap but but having in a movie with 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 that musical makes it more accessible so i think it's just a combination of those three things makes it work and you know i uh the students in the class they they watch the documentary howard um talking about howard ashman and in that he talks about how musicals really uh, like the animation is a great place for musicals. Um, and, and I think the sentiment is, you know, people, when they can't express their emotions another way, they start singing. And, and I think that that really does resonate with people. Like you said, people, we all sing in, in some way, whether it's just, you know, we're singing in the car to ourselves or we sing to, to kids or family or things like that, or the people who are very, very, um, talented and are singing for all of us to hear and enjoy. Um, yeah, and and to his and to his point with the animation, I think I, I always use the example of of uh, Let It Go. You know, in mm-hmm. in Frozen, I think in and of itself, Let It Go is an okay song. It's probably a good song, but you put as soon as you put that with that animation sequence mm-hmm. where she's going up the hill and just that's that together is is makes it you know. It's synergistic, you know, synergistic. Yeah. It makes it definitely greater than it makes the song better, makes the animation better. It's animation is a great fit for uh, for this. Yeah, and I think that a lot of people um, remember life events through music. Um, you you know whether it's popular culture music, um, top forty music, different genres. I think you know that when people hear songs, it takes people back to a particular time um, in their lives of what they were doing, what they were experiencing at that time. And I also, I, I, I find great value in that, that, that sentiment that people bust out into song when, when they, they, kind of don't know how to express themselves otherwise. Um, I think that's really, that's something really powerful that draws people in, even if they don't realize maybe it's drawing them in, um, that there's there's something about music that works in our psyches um, to remind us of events or put us in different places. It's its own diversion that we, you could literally sit in a room listen to a song and get lost in that song and, and kind of transport your play yourself to a different place, um, which I think is really, really cool. Um, with, with Broadway musicals, um, some of the, the, the big Disney hits 
um, The Lion King, Aladdin, um, Mary Poppins, Newsies. What, what about those musicals, or I guess what about the stories made them translate so well from some of them animation, some of them um, the movies to Broadway productions. Um, and then the, the process of they, the company added songs to that. They added content um, to fill up a, a Broadway show. What do you think made those so popular? Well, I think first of all, the, the story is, and everything with Disney always comes back to story. It always starts with story and ends with story. Um, and I think that's really, those stories were structured in such a way that they really lent themselves to um, you know, a Broadway kind of show. And, and from the start, if we're talking about this kind of second um, generation, I guess, of Disney classics, starting with Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and, and, and all of these, having uh, people like Ashman and Menken, who come from the stage, having had done Little Shop of Horrors and, and some other things, um, didn't hurt, didn't hurt. Having Broadway-style songs made it easily translatable to the stage. Now, Yes, they, they added songs, and uh, I know Aladdin, the musical, is more along the lines of the the, the plot that um, Menken and, and Ashman had wanted uh, with adding the um, the relationship between Aladdin and his mother and things and things like that. So it's it's there's it's a deeper plot because it's longer. So they've taken kind of that base story and they they've uh, made it deeper and, and, and more mature almost um, mm -hmm. by adding and adding songs to it. Um, it's uh, Lion King. The, the great thing about Lion King was they, they kind of innovated in the way they presented it. So it's, it's added another dimension to mm -hmm. it by the, uh, you know, the lion heads and the puppets and things like that, that they used. But I think it, it, it comes down to just the way the stories were structured and, and the type of music used in, in the movies made them, really easily, um, uh, you know, Broadway uh, translatable, I guess yeah. you could say. Yeah. And I mean, one of the, one of the Disney Broadway musicals that I absolutely love is Lion King, because I think I've seen it maybe three times. And every time that first number starts, and the way that the musical starts, and the way, I don't want to give it away for people who haven't seen it entirely, but the way that the the actors and actresses enter into the musical is just phenomenal. And, and like you said, they they really innovated the way that they did that, and they innovated um, new included new technology um, because I remember hearing when that was being developed, thinking how are they going to portray there there's not a human in this this animated uh movie at all how are they going to portray all of these animals i i, I think they did it masterfully oh, yeah. i mean and then the kind of things they did and then you see in frozen when you have an olaf and a, a sven right um it's just kind of the next natural progression of, mm -hmm. of, of using that, that one wouldn't have been, you know, wouldn't have been able to do without the other. One thing I will say is I always find it interesting that 
given the the soundtrack between the Broadway show and the movie, I always prefer to listen to the Broadway soundtrack for mm-hmm. you know for all of the shows from Little Mermaid to uh, even even Frozen. Um, mm-hmm. But I know because of the original are different songs, but the 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 Broadway voice quality is just a little bit different than the you know the folks that get to do the uh, the movies usually. Yeah. which I always find a little bit more enjoyable being a musical theater fan. I think yeah. probably doesn't, uh, doesn't hurt there. <laughs> well, and so on that note, um, do you think the, do you have a preference uh, between seeing something on Broadway um, and seeing something that maybe is a, a, a state is a theatrical adaptation? Um, yeah, I, I definitely, I prefer, and I would love to see more shows that are done like, um, Newsies and Hamilton and the new Newsies that you obviously have the old original movie. Um, but things that are recorded on, on stage, mm-hmm. the, the, sta- the stage version of them rather than a film ad- adaptation, um, you know, the film adaptations aren't, aren't bad. I mean, Sound of Music is, is phenomenal. Uh, you know, there's a lot of really good ones. You, you and I were talking before about Greatest Showman, which mm-hmm. is a really good and enjoyable, you know, musical. Um, but, you know, that was obviously written for um, the screen, not for the yeah. stage. Yeah. So, but, but as far as something that's written for the stage, I would prefer to see it on the stage. Okay. And that was one of the things that when I found out Hamilton had been purchased by Disney and I remember thinking this how are they going to take this particular production and turn it into a movie and and maybe that will happen in the future but then when I learned that no it was it was pro shot and it's going to be the stage production that made me really really happy because Hamilton was still will be a ticket extremely hard to get and as you mentioned earlier expensive for people to be able to go and enjoy that which is why i loved that that stage production was added to disney plus the same thing with newsies and i've heard there's a potential of other broadway shows that will have been pro shot that that will be appearing on disney plus Um, not necessarily the adaptation to to the film format yeah and and you know the what so what they did obviously they recorded the uh the shows live but then they came back in and did some you know Mm close-up face shots and and things like that because that's the one thing depending on where you're sitting in the theater if you're in the back of the theater you're watching kind of that overall presentation if you're the front seat front you're watching facial expressions and things like that so the nice thing about doing the the movies that way is you get a little bit of both you mm-hmm. get those those panned back shots where you can see the company doing the ensemble dance numbers things like that but then you also will get you know a close-up on leslie odom jr when he's mm-hmm. singing something which is you know uh great to watch or, or whichever yeah yeah and so how do you know how long that takes what what the effort is on that i mean how many different shows are they having to record to get all of those shots um because one thing about live theater is it is live you every performance is different and so you go on a thursday night that's going to be different from the performance Mm -hmm. when you go on a friday night 
Um, and, and so you kind of have this almost hybrid model now that it's live on stage, but there is able to be some kind of selective editing or things like that. So do you know how, what the effort is behind all of that? Yeah, so they did, I know Hamilton and I think Newsies was similar, was over a four day period, uh, maybe five. But what they did was they, they started, I think on a Saturday and recorded every show, Saturday, Sunday, uh, Monday and Tuesday. Um, and then what they did was during the time, so if there's a Monday evening show, Monday afternoon, they'd have the cast come in and do those close up shots. Okay. Um, so it was uh, um, a short period but just a few days but the interesting thing is for both they had to bring the original cast back because it had been a while since uh well not hamilton i'm sorry hamilton was i think the last day or last week yeah. the original cast was in place yeah. newsies newsies was um uh it had been a little while since the original cast was involved so they bring um uh the, the original, you know, cast members back to uh, Jeremy Jordan and those guys to come back and join the touring company. I think it's the majority of it's the touring company, but they have those few principal actors come back. So there was a okay. challenge there, but yeah, it was like a, a four or five day process. So when they do the close-ups, is that, is that during a show or are they essentially putting on a show with no one in the audience for the primary purpose of doing those close-ups. Exactly. Yeah. It's okay. just, uh, they're doing a scene, they'll do a song and they'll just do, do a bunch of close-ups and uh, almost as if they're doing a, a, a scene in a movie. Okay. And because I, I also, I think maybe from the actor's perspective, it seems like if you know, it's being filmed over a three or four day period, um, there's a little less pressure on one particular performance, because if you're doing all, everything in one performance, um, then if you mess up in that performance, well, that's what's there for posterity's sake. The, <laughs> the, um, whereas if you go over a three or four day period, you may not know which one is being, which take is being used until you see the final product. Right, um, right. Which, you know, we did get with, with Hamilton we got all of the memes about um, uh, King George and 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 uh, but his his close up shots and and oh, singing and everything spinning yeah. and all that yeah <laughs> and uh, and and I'm a I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of of Gotha you know that's kind of his responses to that and everything also but um, so then taking something from the stage and turning it into a movie theater production. What is that process like? I mean, because you look, you watch some of these stage productions and you, it, for me at least, it just hurts to try to wrap my head around how do they um, portray this on the screen? Yeah, and it's always, I mean, you've always got to pull songs because there's, you know what 20 songs in a, in a musical mm -hmm. maybe and the the musicals are each i'm trying to think you know an hour and a half maybe three hours of showtime between two and three hours of showtime um with the intermission and all that but mm -hmm. it's uh but obviously you have to tell a story differently with a with a camera because there's more uh, around you know we talked about the facial expressions and things like that 
it's, there's a lot more of that nuance that you get um, in, in a film that you have to work on. Plus, there's not as much real estate because you don't want to have a, an ensemble dancing that, that takes up a huge screen and, and yeah. the people are small. You look at, um, for instance, you know, La La Land. You know, mm-hmm. you, at the beginning of La La Land, they had that sequence in the highway where they've got all these people dancing and, and you know, you're moving the camera in and out. But really, it's a sequence of just individual shots that are then edited together because you you know you can't get the close-ups of the entire ensemble doing everything they want you know all at the same time so it's uh it's a it's a challenging process to to kind of bring that same kind of feel you know it's going to be different and you know it's mm-hmm. going to be toned down musically but um yeah i know that is it uh, kenny ortega is is probably the um, one of the best, you know, film choreographers around. Um, I think there's Mandy Moore too. Um, not the singer Mandy Moore, but the choreographer Mandy Moore. Um, but they're they're two of the best at doing things for film um, choreography wise that have a different skill set than if you're doing it on on stage because it's um, it's just it's different. Yeah, and the 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 lyrics. And, and singing, um, it seems like a lot of that would be you're you're you are singing in in a soundstage, or I'm sorry, you're you're singing in a recording studio, um, and then that is because especially I I keep thinking of scenes where people are walking, and maybe it's splicing between three and four different people, and they're telling the story similar to. Into the Woods, uh, the, like the beginning of Into the mm-hmm. Woods, where, where they're talking about the different things that they do and introducing the different characters. Um, so I, I imagine, is that the process for something like that, that, that it, it's first recorded and then when you go through and what you see on screen is the, those people are singing, um, but their, their voices are being covered up by their previous recording. Yeah, it's more often than, yeah, they're either, they're either lip syncing or singing uh, while they're doing it. The recording from the recording studio is what's used. The only exception was when they did Les Mis a couple of years ago. Everybody did the singing there live on, okay. on camera. Um, that was the exception, though. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, and then, you know, you do, you do a scene and you'll sing along to your recording. And then it's obviously the film editor that makes sure that everything seamlessly goes from one to the other. Um, when you talk about it, a great example is what you had, you know, into the woods in the beginning where they're switching back and forth between all the characters. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things um, we got into a conversation with some, some of the students got into a conversation about um, stage to, to movies and into the woods came up and, you know, someone said that this is a, it's a very dark play. It's a very dark story. And, I thought about it that, you know, I had been looking forward to watching Into the Woods. It, it, I forget when it actually dropped on Disney Plus, but it had been listed on Disney Plus for about a year before that, seemingly. And so I had been waiting for this and I'd been listening to the, the soundtrack because I've never seen a stage production of it. And at the end of the movie, I remember when, when James Corden's character um, and, and Anna Kendrick um, they kind of share a scene and, and everybody's walking off. I remember thinking, well, what would happen to uh, James Corden's character's wife? And I remember, oh, yeah, yeah. She didn't make it out of the movie. She didn't make it out of the woods. And 
and so it's like the is there is a, a movie production of a stage play um is there something what gets lost between a stage production when you turn it into a movie besides just some of the songs and, and, and context and things yeah that's uh good question um i think there's some of the sincerity that gets lost and i think that's you know when you're a, a singer or performer on on broadway you're doing so much acting with your voice mm -hmm. um that that provides the emotion and depth and and really you, the background of your character all of that is is contained in the way not just the way you sing the way you deliver and i think um there's a lot of that dimension that gets lost when okay. uh, when you make a film now you can you you through cinematography and things like that you can you can you know counteract that or or balance that out but i but i really think you lose a lot of that depth of uh, of character um that's that's performed through the through the act of singing okay. when you go to uh to the movie and do you is there um and we can we can stick to disney but you you could expand beyond disney as well um is there a particular musical you think has done the best job of being converted from stage to the movie theater oh good question um i think i think they did a really good job with into the woods um honestly because and i think the length the length of it um kind of shows too mm -hmm. i don't think they um they really you really lost too much of that um obviously you can't you know hamilton and, and newsy since it's really the stage show you really can't um, um say much there it'll be interesting once uh in the heights comes out mm -hmm. um to see what what they do with that because i think there's more of a um i i, I think now probably can get away with less i mean meaning that you're going to hold these movies to a higher standard because of things like hamilton and and, mm -hmm. and things like that but boy into the woods might be uh well let me i'm trying to think because if you go back to you know music man and um you know those musicals that they had back then i don't yeah i don't know that any of them i would prefer the movie to the musical um yeah i'll say i'll say yeah in into the woods i think maybe the be the the okay. best one that i've seen that's been adapted like that well and and then i also i want to i want to flip it around and talk about to some there is a preference of seeing the the theatrical the movie theater theatrical experience than, than the live theater experience I, i'm aware of that but there are sometimes the stories um for me at least i have been able to pick up more of the story from the movie theater 
version and the home theater version than 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 the live theater. And I, in particular, I'm thinking you brought up Music Man. The first time I saw Music Man was the movies. I, I saw the movie, The Music Man. And this was so long ago. I was so young. I didn't even know it was a stage production. Um, I and and when I was growing up, we would we would go to these productions on, I grew up in Texas and we would go to productions on Galveston Island and it was an outdoor amphitheater. And I remember one year going and it was going to be the music man. And I remember thinking, wow, they made that movie into a stage production. Like not even, not, you know, grasping that. No, it was actually the other way around. So like that movie, I saw that movie before the stage production and it helped me understand the stage production. Um, Chicago actually, is the the musical and it's not disney but it's the musical that i point to as if i had not seen the movie first if i had seen the stage production i'm not sure i would have understood the whole story because of the way it was shot in the movie and the way things were staged in the stage production um so ha have you ever come across something like that that there's actually, I guess, more of the story comes through when you when you watch in the movie theater. Mm, that's a good good question. Um, I'm trying to think of of movies or movies that I've seen before the station. Little Shop of Horrors is probably one that I saw the movie first. Um, yeah, and, and a lot of the uh, yeah, I would. Uh, That's a good question because I'm trying to uh, think of um, hmm. There's a different yeah because there's a different pace when you when you uh, watch a lot of these on on stage, mm -hmm. and I think there's a lot of uh, I mean even Aladdin I think there there's some of Aladdin that I might not have gotten if i hadn't seen the movie first uh because you know especially things when you're when you're when they're running around the market things happen so quickly yeah um so yeah i i don't know that there's any that that would match up with your example of chicago but i but there are some pieces of shows that i think that you learn more by getting kind of those close-up shots and and some of that nuanced stuff from film that you don't see um, especially if, if you're, you know, if you're back in the theater and you're watching just kind of those ensemble shots and, and mm -hmm. you can't see up close, you're, you're going to miss some of the things yeah. that you would see by what they do within a film. Well, and there, there's a great example of that, that I have that when the second time I saw the Lion King, I was sitting at the back of the theater and I was sitting high up my the the highest you could be in the theater and there's the scene where nala and simba are running through the the bushes or running through the tall grass and i don't know if you remember the way that they depict that on the stage is there's people walking with big pallets of grass on their head and they're mm. kind of walking in, in in um like you know formation and then there are two people who are running and jumping with the nala and simba characters 
And I remember the first time seeing it, like, oh, that looks really cool. Like, and I could tell that they were walking in between people and everything. But the second time I was up so high that it looked like a Pac-Man game to me. That, <laughs> it, you know, it was just like a kind of like a diagram of like, oh yeah, here's where they're going to go next and everything. Um, so you, you definitely do, you have different perspectives um, in live theater, depending on where you were sitting. And there is another example, and, and, and I don't want to... Um, have the the eye roll from any students or, or people listening um i i am a big cats fan this is not and this is not disney i'm a big cats fan and we love cats the stage production i'll think i'll always prefer that but i was not completely opposed to the thea theatrical release as well as much as everyone else i mean the 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 negative reviews it 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 received we enjoyed that because it was just entertainment and that to me is one example of if you thought like if if the critique of cats was well this is kind of a weird story that there's cats and they come out at night and they all have these stories and everything well that was the stage production i never understood the stage production the story of the stage production i just always liked it because of the dancing and the music the movie actually told more of a story than the stage production to me. I watched the movie and thought, okay, see, I know a little bit more about this particular character or this particular situation. Um, that's a, that's so, a good example. Yeah. yeah I hadn't I, thought about that, but you're absolutely right. I saw Cats when I was in high school uh, and you know, I hate to admit it, but I mean, it was a long day of, anyway, I fell asleep in the first act, <laughs> but I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I came out of there kind of thinking, yeah, the music's good, but what happened, but you're, you're absolutely right. When you watch the movie, you can follow the story more. And, um, and yeah, I, I mean, my, my take on, on things with uh, remakes and, and films and things like that, you know, I could, somebody had, I mentioned that to me one time, how many times have you seen Romeo and Juliet? You know, you've seen it, it millions of times by different directors. You still keep watching it. It's just, it's interesting to watch how different directors take this material and present it. I think that's the same with remakes. Mm -hmm. The Cats movie, you know, as, a, as an example is, it's interesting to see people's takes on similar stories. Yeah. And, and you just got to keep an open mind to it. I think, you know, I yeah. try to. And so then transitioning from from theater to uh the the theatrical um let's talk about those products that are made solely for theatrical release um like a greatest the greatest showman um a, a, something like that that was that was made and shot for um the movie theater the it seems like you go back 20, 30 years ago, there were maybe even more, there were a lot of musicals that were um, in movie theaters. Um, and then we kind of had what seems like kind of a downturn a little bit, not as many people were watching. Um, now there's sort of been a revival of these types of movies. What, what is the appeal to the general public of these types of, of movie productions you think i think they're fun um i i just i i look at something like uh, la la land i brought up earlier 
Um, and that's just a fun or greatest showman. They're just fun, entertaining films. And I think when you, um, you know, I, I have fun watching them I, and it's regardless of whether or not it's, it's a, a stage adaptation because neither of those are um, it's just uh, it, it's multiple. It's a multiple, you know, facets of entertainment within mm -hmm. one film because there's, there's dancing, there's singing, there's, there's just, there's the acting. So um, I just, it's, it's interesting why they're when you have those periods where they don't, where they don't come out with them, why they aren't there. You know, mm -hmm. I, I've kind of wondered that because yeah, you have this kind of resurgence where you're seeing them, which, which I think is great um, because the more, um, you know, the more variety we have in, in the cinema to me, the better. Uh, but yeah, I, I always wondered why when they had those periods where they, where you didn't have them, mm -hmm. you wonder why, but it could be, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a generational thing too. So you got a, a group of folks that um, are brought up on musicals and then as they get older, once they have their kids are old, old enough to watch musicals and you get kind of a resurgence. And I mean, it could be kind of cyclical that way. That's yeah. just, you know, I, I don't know, but, um, <laughs> but, but I think, yeah, I think it just comes down to their fun. I, yeah. I, I think it's, yeah. And, and, you know, one thing that Disney has done is they obviously have their animated movies that, um, they make into musicals and i remember one it wasn't a point of contention i don't believe but one uh point of emphasis when when pixar first started making full length um features is they said we're not going to have a musical like we're, we're not going to do the musical format um like other studios have done and they were talking about disney because of their relationship with disney at the time um before you know being purchased by Disney. But um, another thing that Disney has done is they have their Disney Channel productions that they have many, many musicals on there. And several have been pretty big hits. I mean, and launched careers for a lot of people. And Disney's very, very good at making sure this person is in this show and this person is putting out records and they're going to be in this mm -hmm. new musical. Um, I'm thinking in the latest example I can think of is Meg Donnelly um, being an American housewife. And, and she was going to be in zombies and zombies Two on the Disney channel. And I can't remember um, the person, the, the, the person who acted um, was her kind of love interest in the zombies movies. But before those movies came out, that person or right around that time that person actually made an appearance in the television show um american housewife they're really really good at that mm -hmm. and, and why do you think they make so many musicals for the disney channel format well i think it's a lot of a lot of it is the synergy that they try to um produce and you mentioned the you know releasing records and shows you had that with selena gomez you had that back with demi lovato um the jonas brothers all these groups that they would have do me and this goes back to the new mickey mouse club when you had you know justin timberlake and and britney spears and carrie russell and all all of them 
uh, it's gives them the ability to make make money from record sales from television you know you know advertising all of these things the more the the more dimensions one actor can bring to something the more opportunities they have for selling things i mean you know at the end of the day it's a company right so they they try to make do it that way um but i also think it's the uh the segment of um folks that they're selling to like music they like the arts they like those sorts of things so they're they're super popular i mean i even um i've watched a ton of of these and i've almost liked I've liked pretty much every one from, you know, original high school musical, the Camp Rock series to Teen Beach movie to, you know, Descendants. We, you and I talked about that, mm -hmm. you know, off, off camera Descendants. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's the, you know, the market, the people that are watching that are interested in it. Plus it gives them the opportunity to make, make money, you yeah. know, from multiple places. Well, and I, you know, a, 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 that synergy that you're talking about and being able to to market different things um they're also building up quite a fan base from people early on who are watching disney channel and sort of in a way grow up with the disney channel and it it seems like a lot of groups like a lot of age groups would have their musical on the disney channel that they could grow up with um similar to you know in the early two early to mid 2000s um uh high school musical um the 2010s um the descendants it's almost like when i watch those stories i could see okay if a person started watching this when they're 11 or 12 or whatever then by the time they grow up and by the time that third move second or third movie comes out and they they finish the story they are the approximate age as these people that they're seeing on screen um which i think is a, is a really neat thing it's similar to you know other franchises that that mm -hmm. non-musical franchises um but on the disney channel from from the disney channel musicals um is there something that has stood out to you you think it, you prefer your your favorite or you think was maybe the best done oh um my favorite probably of all the ones that i've seen may be camp rock 2 okay i really liked um the descendants the original descendants because it was just it was it was a bit it was different yeah. a different take on the kind of fairy tale thing um and the teen beach movie ones i thought were yeah. really fu really fun especially the first one okay um so but if i had to you know if i had to pick one and and it could just be the way a you know, certain age my son was at the time that we all watched it together it was camp rock too okay because um, you had the jonas brothers you had uh, demi lovato the music was really good and um yeah so okay and um, another thing that I want to talk about with sticking to kind of um, production or, or, or silver screen and, and to the small screen, 
before we get into talking about other productions and theme parks and things is, um, you know, it, it seemed mid 2000s, there were, there was kind of this trend for dramas to go the, have one episode where they would have the musical episode. Mm, you know, yeah. Once Upon a Time did it. Um, Scrubs did, Scrubs did it a long time ago. But um, that, you know, it, it almost seemed like that was, here's the, here's the question. Do you think that was, they shot those episodes because they were catering to people who liked those type of episodes? Or do you think that was an attempt to bring people into musical theater and musical representation who, because they had already been watching these popular shows? Oh boy. I, I, I think it, to me, it seemed like they were catering to, to people uh, that were, that like the show that already, you know, the, like the musical thing, the, the once, you know, the once upon a time one, uh, especially, I mean, I just think, I don't know, seemed contrived at the time a bit. Um, and there were a couple of good, good songs in it, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that they, maybe some of the intention was to try to bring some people in. Uh, if you've got, especially once upon a time, you've got, you know, how many seasons of that and it was kind of yeah. stagnating and things, but you know, that was done towards the end of the series. Yeah. Um, so, which you know, I thought that the, one was really interesting that that was, that was seasons. I recently, I didn't watch it when it was on television. I recently watched all of the series and that was done like with maybe two episodes left in season six. Yeah. And then season seven was almost like a whole different story there was the seattle one right yeah. there or what yeah yeah and, and they they ended you could tell they were ending up the whole series because at that last episode they brought everybody back to to storybrook and brought everybody back to the same place and, and a lot of characters showed up again but yeah i i thought that musical episode it was interesting that it showed up where it did in the series but you were saying something else as well sorry uh yeah, I don't, um, no, I think we covered it. Okay. So then the the next thing that I want to talk about and kind of the, the last thing before we talk about Disney Plus is the live performances that you can see whether you go on a Disney cruise or whether you go to some of the, the theme parks, um, you know, the Nemo musical, the, the Lion King musical that... Um, some of these productions that are just, they're so well done that what, what impact do you think those productions have on people who visit theme parks, go on the Disney cruise lines that are not necessarily musical theater fans? Yeah, this is where I think, you know, we, we've talked about the, the other things, whether they're they're catering to a group or bringing in new fans. This is where I think you really start to see new fans because you're in a theme park. And this is even when, you know, going back when I was a kid, you know, going to the Six Flags parks and things like where mm -hmm. you'd have, we'd have shows and you go see a show because you've been walking around all day or whatever. I think, you know, you do that at the Disney parks and you see that it's such a high quality and it is Broadway-esque. You've got a lot of these, these performers there that could be on Broadway that are, yeah. you know, that good. 
um, and, and the and the quality of the shows are that good, especially on the on the cruise lines where it's where it is, it's really Broadway adjacent almost because yeah. it really is that that good. You're gonna, I think you're gonna see uh, new fans coming out of those um, as a result, especially uh, younger ones. You know, you want to take a break from from the heat or walking around all day, so you go see a show, and you're introduced to this style of storytelling. Yeah. And it's it's really um, yeah I think I think that's where you see some new uh, fans being converted into into the musical theater area. Okay, and um, is there is there something you've seen in a theme park or on a cruise line that you that that stands out to you? Um, I think the festival of the Lion King um, definitely is a standout at Animal kingdom okay. okay uh i mean there's been other other shows there's a um mickey and the magical paintbrush i think out at uh in disneyland that is just a story that incorporates mickey mouse but it's got all the kind of the classic um well, not classic but the the uh pocahontas uh tangled all the music from okay. kind of those more recent musicals being sung as part of that that introduces you know kids to these things but um in in um california adventure they they've brought in they had an aladdin show and then a frozen show that are also it's kind of this huge theater that's kind of like a broadway theater yeah um and you know you just you do that as part of what you're doing as your you know uh your attractions and um they're that good that yeah. they really are um you know would make would would make you really interested in seeing more of those kinds of stories yeah so then transition to disney plus and because we have disney plus now we have so much content that we can watch and it, it has opened the doors to this just greater array of um or the different genres that people can watch. Um, and one of those is musicals, um, Broadway musicals, the, the animated, the, the Disney Channel made for um, theaters. And so what do you think, what's the impact of Disney Plus been on musical theater fans, but also on the general consumer? I think that musical theater fans are going to go seek those shows out. So, you know, I, I don't know if they would not have purchased Disney plus, I think there's a huge intersection there of, of Disney fans and, and musical theater fans. Um, so I don't know that they would have sought out or, uh, or if they would have purchased Disney plus because of the musical theater content, mm -hmm. Uh, but they're definitely going to seek out the, the shows that are on there. I think one of the first things I watched on Disney Plus was Sound of Music, mm -hmm. you know, which was obviously not, it was part of the Fox acquisition, but um, still it's it's there. And we've watched, you know, Hamilton and all the, and Newsies and all the other ones. Um, for folks that, you, know, you asked about um, people that are, both people that are, are musical theater fans and people that aren't, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think I think it's another one of those cases where, you know, we, you, you go on to any of these services, Netflix, Disney Plus, and you just kind of surf. You know, if you, mm -hmm. you don't know what you're going to watch, you, you surf around. And 
especially with something like Hamilton that's had so much buzz, if you aren't even really familiar with what it is, your curiosity, it's free, it's yeah. part of the service. So you're going to, um, you know, turn it on. I think, I think you'll definitely see people that are going to watch these things because they're on Disney plus, um, you know, I've watched, I've watched some of the national geographic content on Disney plus that I wouldn't ordinarily have watched yeah. probably if it hadn't been on Disney plus. So I think you're going to see the same thing with, with the musicals. Yeah. Yeah. So then by way of um, sort of the, the, the rapid questions that, that we asked last time about the parts and, and your preferences for the parts and things like that. Uh, we'll kind of do that now, um, but we'll focus on the musical aspect of it. So sure. um, looking at, at Disney Plus, and I'm pulling up my Disney Plus app, but looking at uh, the, the musical genre or on the Disney Plus app, um, can you give me a top five of musicals on Disney Plus that like your top five, your must watch? For me, uh, Newsies is going to be the top of the list. Newsies is my probably my all-time favorite musical. Going back to the movie, I like. I was one of the few that liked the original movie. Uh, I think probably more than a few. If, if if it was only a few, they wouldn't have made the Broadway musical out of. So, <laughs> Newsies, uh, Hamilton for sure, uh, because it's just so groundbreaking. Uh, just looking through the list myself because there's so many good ones. Um, I mean, uh, Sound of Music has to be up there. We watch Sound of Music at least once a year. Uh, Mary Poppins. Mm -hmm. And boy, I mean, I don't know that I can choose between uh, all of the animated films um, as musicals. So I will stick to actual musical movies okay. that are not the animated ones. And I will put, um, I'm scrolling through the list. I will put into the woods as my fifth okay. one. I think that's five. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and you know, you, you mentioned one that, that we haven't even talked about um, uh, Mary Poppins and the music from Mary Poppins being as iconic, at least as iconic as a lot of the music from the animated classics. Um, and just, you know, then you also talk about the story of apparently what it was like at the, the studios when that was being made, a lot of, you know, it was a happy time, things like that. Um, and then you, you add to the lore with the movie Saving Mr. Banks, mm -hmm. um, where you see like maybe not everything was as rosy as, as maybe people believed, but just that that like presence that movie has i think is so strong um for for disney fans um and so i i'm glad i'm glad you mentioned that one because it it, it put me on a train of thought looking at um mary poppins and so here's here's one that that may be um extremely difficult and if you, if you can't do it um that's fine but um is there a particular 
is there like a top five list of songs that stands out to you from Disney musicals that are like, I mean, I, I'm thinking of one or two from Mary Poppins as like off the top of my head. Yeah, boy. First of all, interesting story about, I, I always like this about Mary Poppins. Um, the, uh, so you, you take the Saving Mr. Banks where you learn about that um, she was not, P.L. Travers was mm -hmm. not happy with, with that. Then they approached her to make the musical um, about, you know, of Mary Poppins, the stage musical. And she had made the, uh, an arrangement that she sold the rights to the musical, but the only stipulation was that Disney nor anyone who was involved in the film of Mary Poppins could be involved in the uh, hmm. production, in the stage production. She passes away. A month later, Disney buys the rights to it and creates a stage musical. So hmm. that's just an interesting uh, you know, hmm. epilogue yeah. to the Saving Mr. Banks story, which she'd probably be rolling over in her grave if she knew that. But yeah. it's typical of that relationship. Anyway, back to your song. So top five songs. Um, oh, yes. Uh, I think, you know, so... Um, I see the light is probably one of those songs. It's right up there with um, a whole new world as far mm -hmm. as emotional impact for me from from Disney animated uh, films. Um, yeah, there's so many uh, in, in the um, in Mary Poppins, and um, I, I wouldn't even know where to start. I mean, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious yeah. uh, is is a great with those ensemble ones having. Having um, acted as uh, in, in the show in our in our theaters as George Banks, um, the uh, um, I'm trying to remember the actual name of the song, but it's, um, um, the one he uh, when he, when he's singing about the uh, um, precision and order around uh, around oh, the house. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know why I'm I'm uh, having a uh, uh, brain meltdown here but um yeah so like you said mary poppins you could probably pick any um any one of those um but boy uh that is such a um so many great songs boy oh boy uh i think santa fe from newsies is another one of those that um i guess me a lot of those 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 ballads um, from uh, you know Menken and Ashman are just uh, are just fantastic. Uh, but then you've got you know the um, from Moana. Um, is it the uh, one that was nominated? Um, oh, I can't remember the name of that one either. Um, the one where she's singing and and she's on the boat and, and it's kind of her. Uh, yeah, her yeah. song. And I, I, um, I, I can't remember the title, but I, I yeah. I remember I remember the song, just not the, the title of it. Yeah. You know, and and there's uh boy, yeah, I mean, why did you wish upon a star? Um, yeah. the uh so many of those and and the um all the Roger Miller songs from Robin Hood. Mm -hmm. Um I'm a huge Roger Miller fan, so those are all good. Uh out there from Hunchback. Or um, boy, I, that is a that is <laughs> I, tough to limit to just five. Well, and that's that's I I figured it would turn into just a, 
a long and growing list. <laughs> and while you're while you were listing those, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I didn't even think of that one. I didn't think of that one. It makes me think of this one. And and you know, one movie that wasn't mentioned is um, Mary Poppins Returns. Mm, yes. That I mean, the the music from that is was really really good and that's actually within like i probably seeing more of that now than i do like the old songs except for super califragilistic or um um so there there are there are just so many wonderful songs so so yeah that was that was Set up I was to try really, to get I, was, I was really happy with Mary Poppins Returns. I um, was too. That that was because I remember. I mean, I read a lot about how happy it was when Mary Poppins was made, and kind of a idealistic time or whatever. And so when Mary Poppins Returns came out, I remember going and thinking, "Hey, I'm lucky that I'm going to see a Mary Poppins." movie when it is being released this is what people must have felt like that saw the original mary poppins yeah it, it had all the you know the it, it was a good it was a feel-good film um and the because you had a lot of parallels um between you know from songs between this one and the other one you had the um the lamplighter uh thing which was kind of like their um their step in time yeah um but it was you know the one song i think it's the i think it's called the conversation where um yes. he's yeah. up in the attic right and going yes. through everything and that's just there. there's so many songs that just kind of rip your uh rip your heart out for yeah. lack of a better the a cover is not the book is, is the song oh that, yes that probably gets played the most um yeah and, and all of those are uh peel travers books yeah, those those which I thought was was really kind of cool. Yeah, and um, so the the last question on this is kind of a two parter, but of all of the musicals that are out there, um, that 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 now have been either made by Disney, purchased by Disney via the Fox acquisition. Um, that are not on Disney Plus. What would you most like to see on Disney Plus that's not already on there, musical-wise? Things that are that are owned by Disney but are not on Disney Plus. Yeah, things that could be put on Disney Plus, either because they were made by Disney or they've now been purchased. Um, what would you like to most see on there? Oh, um, hmm. I'm, that is a good question because I don't know what's not on there. Um, who, uh, who did, who, who really, who did La La Land? Who, who, um, um, I can't I remember think... who did La La Land, but I mean, we can, we can open yeah. it up to, kind of dream if if disney could because my background disney purchased the rights to hamilton that you know that's if true disney yeah could so purchase the rights to something what would you like to see on disney plus 
Oh. These are these are harder than Disney fan questions. <laughs> Good grief! Um, if I because I noticed like Hello Dolly's out there on, yes. on Disney yeah. on Disney Plus, which is which is kind of cool. Um, and I didn't even know that till I was scrolling through because uh, that was obviously one of the things that was acquired. But you know, there's so many of those 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 classic ones that um, you know you'd love to see. Uh, on there, I mean, I mentioned the Music Man and some of these other ones. Um, what would be cool is so you're you're doing a revival. Of, they're doing a revival of the Music Man. We'll take that as mm -hmm. an example. Hugh Jackman uh, is going to mm -hmm. be in that. It is going to be phenomenal when that opens on Broadway. I would yes. love to see a treatment of that done like they did with Hamilton. Yeah, and that to show up. You know, something okay. like that um, would be great to see. Um, La La Land. I looked up as Lionsgate. I okay. think I don't know what what studio or what streaming service would have that, but probably okay. HBO, I would imagine, um, more, more than likely. Uh, or, um, but anyway, um, but as far as uh, like shows that are out there now that I you know, that would would be great to see, um, I would like to see. One thing I would like to see them do is. Hercules. So they just did a hurt. Yeah. I, th I think it was in Central Park, like the smallish version of Hercules that um, was uh, that did really well. It was a couple of weekends, um, and um, the uh, um, I'd love to see them turn that into something that's okay. um, uh, bigger. Or uh, Hunchback. Hunchback. Mm -hmm. They they did. It never made it to Broadway. Um, but it was uh, um, much darker than the animated one. It was more more like the book, from what I from what I understand. Okay. So I haven't seen the stage show. It was here in Seattle uh, last year before everything closed down. Um, but I've listened to the the Broadway soundtrack. So it's a lot darker than the animated film. I'd love to see them make a um, a stage musical and put the, uh, you know yeah. that's and put that on. Okay. Well, and you know one of the one of the um, musicals I was thinking of is is Music Man, um, because that was one of the first ones I watched. It was one of the first ones that I um, learned the the music to, learned the songs to, and would sing it, albeit horribly. Um, and excuse me, so I I would like to see that old Music Man, the original movie version of Music Man, on there. Um, and then I also would like to see. Um, some type of treatment, like you said, of, of the, the the new stage revival that's going to have Hugh Jackman in it, because I, I think, you know, he's just he's just an amazing stage actor who made a, a great transition from stage to the to, to screen and, and back and forth as, as needed. That's um, that's one that when things open up again, I would actually entertain a, a trip to New York just to go see if I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so thank you for talking to us about um, as many topics as, as I could think of to talk about um, Disney musicals. Um, is there anything else you think is important for people watching or listening to know about musical theater and kind of um, the, its impact? I just, the one thing I have to say that if you enjoy a musical theater at all, 
Um, if you like watching it in, in on stage in the movies, go check out When Things Open Up Again, your local theaters. Uh, some of the best musicals I've seen um, versions have come from local theaters. And it's really interesting to see what they do with um, you know certain stage sizes, mm-hmm. we have a local theater. It's in a super small stage, but they did they did Mary Poppins, and they have the ensemble with the chimney sweeps and all that. Um, it's really creative way of of uh, of doing that. So um, support your local theaters because you'll 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 be entertained just as much as you will be if you go to to Broadway or or watch a film. So um, and and there's some really good local talent um, out there. Yeah. And, and that's actually one of the, the, the best or most fun times going to the theater I've had is um, when we had a subscription to our regional theater um, because they did Mary Poppins as well. And I remember watching that and thinking, Oh my goodness, how did they do this with the stage, the set design and everything? It was, it was so great. So um for people who, who want to reach out and they, they have questions or, or want to follow what, what you're doing with the show, what's the best way for somebody to, to reach out to you or follow you? Well, you were, so our podcast, Heilman and Haver, and you can search, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, basically everywhere you can find podcasts. Um, you can you know, search on us out there. Uh, on Facebook, it's Heilman and Haver. You can search just um, one, you know, Heilman, the word and Haver. Uh, we're on YouTube as well. So all of our podcast episodes are on YouTube. Plus we've got some other videos. We do uh, an in the mix segment, a video every couple of weeks where we um, mix cocktail and talk about a certain topic. Um, last week was all about Danny Bilson. So, you know, uh, so from talking about his screenwriting of the Rocketeer growing up in Hollywood and, and all of that. And then we did in the mix where we talked about um, some of the things that uh, other things he's done in his career. So um search we're also heilman and haver at gmail.com if you just want to reach out to us uh, via email so we're out there not too hard to find well and and thank you again um this was a lot of fun thanks for answering a lot of questions and just just talking about disney musicals and, and raising more conversation on the topic not a problem. Thanks for having me. I'm always happy to, to go back and talk about anything Disney or anything else entertainment wise. So. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for the rest of the day. All right. You too. Bye. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of the Being a Fan of Disney podcast. I'm your host, Cody Haver. I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone for joining us and listening and to say that I hope you found the information, whether content covered in class or interviews with guests, fun, informational, entertaining, and even inspiring. If you want to follow along with the class, you can do so by following me on Twitter at CHaverPhD. That's C-H-A-V-A-R-D-P-H-D. Or by joining the public group on Facebook, Being a Fan of Disney. If you want to engage with any of the guests we've had in class, their contact information is included in each of the show notes. So again, thank you for joining us. It was a great time having you. If you like what you hear, please share this out so other people can engage with the information, possibly learn more about their Disney fandom and their love for all things Disney related. With that, thank you again and have a great day.
Thank you.